to prisons and detention centres everywhere. Every Monday at 4pm on your community radio, 3CR. We are still fired up and we're still talking about revolution. And welcome to the show. Um, I'm Peter and Russ is here. Yep, and this is the Doing Time Show. It's 3CR Community Radio, 855am on the dial. Streaming live on www.3cr.org.au. And we've got a very informative show coming up. First up, we're going to be speaking with Lucy Honan from the Refugee Action Collective. And Lucy is going to be speaking about the asylum seekers that are leaving Manus for the US. So we're going to be speaking about the US deal, um, which is very controversial. Um, and anything is controversial as far as Trump's concerned. About two dozen asylum seekers have left Manus Island Detention Centre as part of Australia's resettlement deal struck with the United States, and that's what we're going to be talking about, amongst other things. And then after that, we're going to be speaking with Christine Palmer. Um, Christine Palmer is an Aboriginal elder and grandmother who has done a lot of crisis counselling um, and has had 30 years' experience in the area. And we're going to be speaking with her about Dylan Voller, who was recently arrested at a, at a peaceful protest. Listeners may recall that we interviewed D- Dylan um, a month or so now um, in regards to a shutdown youth prisons campaign that he helped initiate and found. And uh, they're now trying to send him back to prison. So we're going to be talking with Christine Palmer about that and also about... Um, other related issues in regards to stolen generation and um, her work with youth. So, uh, Peter, I believe, will be putting on some music shortly. I'll introduce Christine in more detail later on when we get to her interview um, about what land she's from. But without any, any in the meantime, we'll um, go on to Lucy Honan soon. Okay, we'll put on an um, announcement now. Hello? Listen, I had a great idea. Male chauvinist pig versus hairy-legged feminist. You're still a feminist, right? I'm a tennis player who happens to be a woman. The battle you've all been waiting to see. The battle of the sexes. You want to see it, right? Then get along and support 3CR at the Palace Withcast Cinemas, 89 High Street, Northcote, on Thursday, October 5th, from 6.30pm for a screening of Battle of the Sexes. You're offering the men's winner eight times what you're offering the women's winner. The men are simply more exciting to watch. It's just biology. <laughs> the story of the infamous tennis match between Billie Jean King and Bobby Riggs. Tickets are $25 and $20 concession. You can purchase online at 3cr.org.au, direct from the station at 21 Smith Street, Fitzroy, or by phoning 9419 8377 during business hours. All funds raised go to keeping 3CR on air. Battle of the Sexes screening, Thursday, October the 5th from 6.30pm. Does she have the nerve? Call Barbie. Time it's on. Indigenous people in Australia and the Pacific have borne the brunt of nuclear testing. And this was not done unconsciously. We found documents in the British archives saying that, yes, there is uh, certain hazards, but only to primitive peoples, those that don't wear clothes and don't wash, unlike us British. So the sort of racism inherent in this whole operation was known and understood from the beginning, that these were the casualties of a larger imperial policy and that they were able to bear the brunt because there were very small populations and didn't have much political voice. And as we fast forward to today, we see that same thing. 3CR keeping you informed about Australia's nuclear past and present. At such a time, it's important to have a voice like 3CR, steady, constant, sane and committed to a nuclear-free Australia. Hello and welcome back to the Doing Time Show. Lucy, welcome to the program. Thanks, Marissa. Lovely to have you and particularly on school holidays. <laughs> Lucy, um, I'm wondering, because there's, there's a lot going on, isn't there, at the moment with all this stuff with uh, asylum seekers and refugees, isn't there? Um, I'm sure you're working around the clock. But um, just I'd like you to start off, if you can, just to speak about 
what's happening with the asylum seekers that are going to be leaving Manus Island or have they left already? And are they actually um, going to be going to the US as part of the resettlement deal and what's happening? Mm, okay. Um, so last week, 50 um, refugees were taken from both Manus Island and Nauru um, to be resettled in, in the US. Um, so they were, you know, selected. <laughs> it's mm. not clear um, on the basis, like, who who, why they were selected out of everybody. There was a combination of single people and families. Um, and, yeah, they were they were taken um, off to, to, to resettle in the USA. Um, pretty tragically, that's 50 out of, you know, so many... I think it's about 1,700 people altogether, um, you know, and no end in sight about what will be next, when they'll be next, if they'll be a next. Um, mm. But certainly all the numbers that we have and that, the um, you know, the US and the Australian government have been talking about are far less than, at least 500 people less than um, the total number of um, people on Manus and Nauru. And this morning um, there was another tragic suicide on Manus Island. A Tamil man, a 32-year-old Tamil man, um, was found hung, hanging um, uh, next to the Lorangau Hospital kitchen. Um, and I think that's, that throws into pretty stark relief the inadequacy and the, um, you know, just the, the deep inadequacy of the US so-called solution for all the people who have been in such mental distress for four years um, being neglected in those camps. So people are actually still at the camps, Lucy, are they? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I th- the um, the um, sorry, there's seventeen hundred refugees altogether, yeah. minus the fifty who just left. So that's sixteen hundred and fifty people in offshore detention still. What a disaster! Um, and the um, you know the Australian government and the has has essentially admitted how preposterous and illegal it is um, at least on, on in, in PNG because there's been several court cases where they've had to either uh, commit to paying money or you know in PNG itself they've kind of declared it not kind of they have declared it an illegal prison and so there's a commitment to um, force out all of the refugees from um, from the um, detention centre into the East Lorengau, um centre, which is kind of <laughs> another another false prison, I guess. Um, but there's not enough room for them there. Um, there's no plan to take them anywhere else. And as I said before, there's no serious plan to evacuate them all to the USA. It was just a tiny token effort of the 50 people. Um, and you can imagine the distress of people, the bitter, the bitter sweetness of everybody who was left behind watching those people oh take God. off. <clears throat> so yeah, the the I think there's a sense in which perhaps you know I'm sure the I'm sure the coalition government is pleased that you know they got 50 people out because um, it's a little bit of a pressure release on them that they seem to be doing something about the horror show that they've um, presided over. But in terms of a real solution, it's absolutely not one. No, because, I mean, the people that are left, how are they going to have a safe life? Yep, that's right. How indeed. And, I mean, I think the fact that it took 10 months since the very first interviews, you know, um, when, when the... Um, when the US deal was first struck. Ten months ago, um, there were the first interviews and it took until last week to get just 50 of them gone. So the idea that people can tolerate, you know, for example, this this um, awful situation of the, the Tamil man mm. on Manus Island. I mean, he couldn't tolerate a week longer. Um, and he's, I think it's the ninth, um, the ninth death in offshore detention. So yes. it's not... It's it's not a it's as I as I said and as I think we all all kind of really acutely feel there is such a deep urgency to this situation that is not translating into um, enough pressure on our politicians yet to make them to make them evacuate the camps and bring them here but that's what we need to do. I be- absolutely, and I believe there was an article in the Guardian about um, the suicide. Yeah, I think it's the ABC and the Guardian have printed it. It's it's getting out there. 
um, it, it, it kind of, I mean, look, it's, it's just, it's not, it, it's tragic, but it's not surprising. No. And, it's, and it's not tragic in the sense that it, 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 at some avoidable, um, you know, disaster, this is completely avoidable, you know, and completely predictable. The, the, the man was taken, um, you know, into the hospital because he was so mentally distressed. Everybody knew that, you know, he was he was under incredible um, distress, but there are no facilities in East Lauringau, no, no mental health facilities. And frankly, even if they were, you can't relieve the mental distress of being in limbo, you know, of having no certainty in your life and no safety. The only thing that's going to relieve that for all of these people is to be um, resettled I mean, just in Australia. Bring them here, and eventually they can, can you know, contribute to the economy. Yep, you and know, to society and and to be embraced, community. As, you know, fellow human beings. Exactly. Right. Exactly. And equality. You know, there's got to be some equality here, and it's not just about the economy. It's about you know helping people. And giving them access to, to to not only freedom but community. Mm, that's right. And I, you mm. know, the other thing, the the, the comments of um, Peter Dutton as some of the oh. um, some of the refugees were lining up to be, um, you know, evacuated from Nauru. You know that they were wearing Armani clothes and they're economic refugees, and you know mm. this dis- disparaging sort of thing to kind of plant this idea. Uh, that they're undeserving refugees. But that's really... I can't stand that term, economic refugees. Yeah. I can't stand it. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous because, it, 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 I mean, it, it it is designed to make people feel as though, you know, uh, they don't deserve our help, they don't need our help. Um, but it, it, it underestimates and it disguises how the reality of what all these people have fled. I mean... 150 of the people on Manus and Nauru are Rohingyans. And we've seen the violence that has been committed against Terrible. the Rohingyan people in the last couple of weeks. You know, the Australian government was trying to induce some of them in the very height of these attacks and brutalities in the Rakhine state. We're trying to pay some of the asylum seekers to go back there. And, you know, the idea that even if there were some Armani genes on these people, that was going to protect them from the violence that what's going on oh there? Oh my God! Is not it doesn't it doesn't tally with reality, but it's no. very very calculated to make people who are feeling like, well, I can't afford our money, jeans. I'm struggling. I'm doing it tough. You know, it's calculated to make people see refugees as uh, as totally undeserving of yeah, the like generosity a, we can work up. Like they're trying to make them out to be users and money grabbers. That's right. That's you know, right. the term economic refugee. Look. You know, I'll tell you what's really interesting is that, and I think you and I have talked about this before on air, and I think, Peter, you you have too, okay, in regards to the fact that there are so many um, migrants, you know, people that have migrated here, Italians, Greeks, Mm. who do you think built the roads? You know, Mm. like, it was perfectly all right for um, people to migrate here when the government needed them, wasn't it? Mm. And mm. certainly I'm not discount, discounting also in the 1800s that, you know, that we were founded on, on um, a prison colony and colonisation and that, you know, prisoners also built the roads. You know what I'm saying? But do you mm. see what I'm trying to say here? When there was mm. a lack of population, it was perfectly all right, wasn't it, mm-hmm. for people mm. to come here? And now all of a sudden, you know, um, Peter Dutton's putting out this propaganda about economic refugees. I mean, what is this? Mm. Yeah, it's it's hateful divisiveness. It, it, it really, really is. is. Yeah. yeah. And according to the Refugee Action Coalition, I believe there was an article in Sky News recently that they said that about 22 refugees, um, including Sudanese, Afghan and Iranian asylum mm. seekers, was it true they were taken to Port Moresby? Yeah, that's right. That's right. So there's a lot of movement of refugees all over um, PNG because of this claim that you know the detention centre is going to be shut down and there's a deadline that you know they're just not going to be able to meet this claim that they're going to shut the detention centre. So um, there's a there there is another detention centre being built in Port Moresby, but even that is not going to be big enough to house the number of refugees still there. 
So there's all this moving people around, um, you know, turning up, turning off electricity, turning off the gas, forcing people out into East Lorengau where it's very much not safe for people to live. Um, but what isn't on the table is a, is a resettlement deal. This agreement in Australia, in Australia yeah. there's, there's nothing to say yeah. that people need to come here to Australia. You know, how is that going to break budget? Yeah, yeah. No, that's right. I mean, in fact, it would, the amount of money that they've spent, it just keeps going up. There's billions <laughs> of dollars sunk in the offshore detention regime. Um, so, you know, they've, <laughs> every time they want to play that money card about, you know, how much it would cost and, um, you know, to be fearful that people in Australia should be fearful that they might be taking jobs or taking up money or taking up resources. The billions of dollars spent in the offshore camps pales into, um, you know, the, the the savings that would happen if you were thinking about it on those terms, um, you know, to shut the camps and allow people to resettle in Australia. And indeed, you know, the agreement that was struck with the Obama administration mm. has been severely watered down and, you know, Trump called it a dumb deal, didn't he, before agreeing <laughs> to honour it? I mean, seriously, mm. seriously. Mm. Yeah, well, that, I mean, that was incredible when the um, details of and the transcript of the actual conversation between Trump and Turnbull um, came out, the, the revelations that, you know, actually there was no commitment to take even a single refugee. I think, you know, the fact that that was exposed is probably behind the reason they've taken 50, but... You know, Turnbull was at such pains to say to Trump, you know, you just have to, essentially, you just have to look like you've agreed to this. You don't actually have to do anything. Um, but, you know, the other the other interesting thing um, in this whole scenario was actually the, the, the people, people swapping element of it. So Australia committed to taking um, some Cubans off America. Yes. Yeah. Um, and they're people who had, you know, they're actually still in the middle of a court case. They tried to seek asylum um, from from the USA, were sent to Guantanamo Bay and have not been um, even assessed as refugees. You know, the, the oh. American administration wouldn't even process them. The Australian government has taken those people, very speedily processed them, you know, in the time that they haven't processed people in the, you know, the years and years that refugees have, who have sought asylum from Australia, they've been just sitting around waiting. But these Cubans, as part of the um, mm. people swap deal, have been, you know, the Australian government has shown that if they want to process people, they can do it in an instant. And they've been processed and they're, they're living in Queensland. And, of course, they should be made to feel welcome. Of there course. There is no, no yeah, yeah. Uh, suggestion on my part that no, they, no. Don't, they don't deserve a safe space in the world. But if it can happen for those people... Yeah. Why not, happen it, why not make it happen for these 1,700 people? It's... It's cruel and, um, you know, nonsensical. And isn't it a bit of a double standard that, you know, the fact that asylum seekers have actually been assessed here as refugees mm. and then the America wants to do the extra, the extra scrutiny? scrutiny. Uh, exactly. And it's, you know? and it's an excuse to put the go slow on it and it's an excuse to make it, you know, be strung out on and on and on. So they've already left, right? Cause it, cause it yeah, says that's he... right. They've left and they've landed. So ah. you know, people have set up, you know, they've, they're set up in, in the USA. So, I mean, it's it's really wonderful for, it for is those wonderful. people. Although, you know, some of the bittersweet comments from some of them as they were leaving, you know, just kind of indicating that their hearts have been broken, that they don't want to hear about Australia ever again, and that they're glad to be leaving Nauru, but... They don't have any happiness left in their hearts after what they've been through. It's horrible. Room. What's what's going to happen to them? Well, one thing that's going to happen is that they're being forced to pay for the flight that from from Nauru or from Manus to Incredible. the USA. So oh. each of them has been loved with after four years of hell oh. a two thousand five hundred dollar plane ticket unless they want to get a bad credit rating on the you know from from the start. Fantastic. I'm very sarcastic there. <laughs> but Lucy, now what does this mean? Here it's, I'm just having a look here at, at the Sky News article where it says that 1,250 refugees in Papua New Guinea and Nauru will be taken to America in return for Australia accepting asylum seekers from Central America. What, what's that? 
Well, that that's the thing that I was referring to about the um, the Cubans. But ah, uh, I yeah. mean, the the does it say that twelve hundred and fifty will be or up to twelve hundred and fifty will be up to. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's the thing, and it doesn't say when. It doesn't say when. So it could be another ten months before we see another fifty yo. But it's so watered down. It's mm. so watered down. Mm. And you know what's what's really sickening here is the way that Prime Minister Malcolm Turnbull says that it's a sign of the str- the strong relationship that Australia shares with America. Doesn't it make you sick? It's sickening. <laughs> <laughs> what a time to be declaring a strong relationship with, with Donald Trump, Trump's America. And, you know, I've spoken to quite a number of Americans about this situation. And, in fact, a lot of the Americans um, are saying that it's that they feel sorry for the refugees and asylum seekers that are going to go there <laughs> because mm. they say that, um, you know, you've got to pay for medical insurance and you've got to pay for this and, it, like, it's not really what it's cracked up to be over there. Yeah, no, I mean, they they deserve to be given as much resettlement rights as they can Absolutely. be. Absolutely. I don't know what the deal is, but certainly, you know, for the refugees who do end up coming for Australia, we need to push hard for that. And just, you know, as a, on, a, on a slightly different note, there yeah. are some um, refugees who were on Nauru, well, there are actually 50 of them who need urgent medical care and... Yeah. Um, there's a there's a process in place where um, a, a, a medical board decides whether or not people can be transferred to Australia or not. Um, and there was a long and protracted fight with that medical board about um, bringing three women who needed abortions from Nauru to Australia. Um, and they're um, you know the for a long time, in fact, for too long, um, that body decided that they couldn't come because it's against the law in Nauru to have an abortion. Um, so the, um, the women are in Australia now, but, uh, you know, the fact that women have to go through this process and can potentially be denied that medical treatment and all the other people in, in Nauru who are denied that treatment, um, you know, it's, it's ridiculous. But when they come here, they need to be, and we as a, you know, as a refugee campaign need to, need to be on the front foot about demanding that they have full rights to, to proper medical care, um, to, to housing and to, um, to Centrelink support and everything else that they need. Well, we've still got a lot of work ahead of us. It's approximately 4.23 and you're listening to an interview with Lucy Honan from the Refugee Action Collective and this is the Doing Time show at 3CR. Lucy, do you have any final comments before we finish? I do. I, I want to, I wanna two things. One is I think it's pretty clear that Turnbull, you know, he's covered himself in shame in, in lots of different domains and I think he's going down in the polls even further um, and he's on his way out in, in a couple of years or whenever the, the next election is. But I don't think we have to wait that long. We can't wait that long and, and you know, the suicide this morning shows us that we yeah. cannot wait that long. So we need to keep the pressure up on, on the coalition and I want to encourage people to come to the um, Refugee Action Collective rally this Sunday at 2 o'clock at the State Library. Um, and the other thing I want to say is that, you know, in the, the Labor Party needs to, be, to stop being silent about this issue. You know, we haven't heard anything um, from the Labor Party condemning this state of affairs and they need to speak up now. We need to force them to commit to a better policy than what they've got before they come to power and to help us get Turnbull out of power on on a good, good, strong pro-refugee basis. So to that end, you know, come with your rallies, come to the rally on, on Saturday, but keep up the pressure on Labor about what their policies are. So it's this Sunday? Yep, that's right. This Sunday at two o'clock? At 2, 2 p.m. at 2 PM the State Library. At the State Library, which is Swanson Street? Yeah, that's right. It's just near Melbourne Central. So rock up to that rally if you can and uh, and show your support for asylum seekers and refugees and um, and, and also for to get Turnbull out of the power. That's it. Thanks so much, Lucy, and it's great to have you on for regular updates. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Marissa. Keep Bye. up the good work. Bye-bye. And that was Lucy Honan from the Refugee Action Collective. And on behalf of the Do and Time show, we want to offer our condolences um, about the 
the man who committed suicide um, to his friends and family. And uh, pretty shortly, we're going to be speaking with Christine Palmer. And before we actually go into more music and announcements and I set up the interview, I just wanted to, um, as per her request, um, explain that Christine is actually from the Kajiti um, Arunti land and she's a grandmother who I said in my previous intro, she's had 30 interviews, uh, years experience in counselling and crisis work. So I'll just go to a track, um, Took the Children's Away by Briggs. Briggs. VCR are selling kefir Palestinian scarves in support of the last factory that produces them in Hebron, Palestine. All profits will be donated to the reconstruction efforts in Gaza and support Palestinian industry. These are traditional scarves available in red and black or you can choose from a modern design. Go to 3cr.org.au slash shop to buy online or drop into the station during business hours. Doing time, and you're back with the Doing Time show. It's approximately 4:32, and we're going to be speaking with um, Christine Palmer, who is um, a grandmother and is experienced in crisis counselling, and she's had 30 years' experience. And we're going to be talking about Dylan Voller and um, the protest protest that she was at. Hello, Christine. Welcome to the program. Hello. Hello. Oh, Christine, welcome to the program. You there? Can you I'm, hear us? I'm, I'm, I'm so honoured, eh? Yeah. Thank you. Very happy to have you. So, Christine, can you start off um, just by telling us what land you're from? I'm a Cadage Arundel woman from Central Australia. Oh, that's, that's great. And I'm wondering if you could just talk a little bit about yourself and some of the work that you've, that you've done with Indigenous youth. Well, it goes back to the 80s, I think, because I, I was a, a welfare worker and, and done um, a lot of child protection stuff. And then later on, um, I even joined the um, child protection board, you know, looking at all the cases, throwing cases back if I wasn't happy with it. That was really good. Yeah, and um, working in around youth, and families. So in the world of colonisation and, and stolen generation, all that type of stuff in that context, what what do you think about what's been happening with um, with Dylan and all the, the young people in youth prisons? Oh, look, um, at the moment, I'm, I've just been over in Canberra and listening to a lot of that stuff around sovereignty. And it's kind of put me on a different level to where I worked before, working in 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 nearly all the um, nearly all the um, organisations, non-government and government organisations, and going to Canberra and looking at the the justice for Aboriginal people has put me on a different level. Talking about Dylan, um, look when when we saw that footage that of. Um, Dylan, when he was in um, in Dondale, yep. you know, that kind of was something real that we all had seen. And and everybody, you must well say the whole world was watching and there were a lot of tears shed, you know, in people's household. With him and his mum now, um, they're, they're kind of targeted all the time. And, and I was at that protest the other day and... And it was really, really unfair. And that's the first time I've ever been involved in it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Mm. So tell us about the protest. I mean, so that it was a protest. To, it was a campaign that Dylan initiated, right? 
or not just Dylan, but the other people as well, initiated this campaign to shut down youth prisons. What happened at this protest? It was peaceful, right? Well, everything went smooth. You know, we um, it was around um, deaths and custody as well. Yep. You know, we've, we've in the last month or so, we must have had about two or three, maybe four deaths in custody, you know, and and, yeah. and, and looking at that and hearing people saying and, and family are saying, you know, there's, there's a now missing on of the CCTV. It's a really scary time for us all. And when you when you know somebody something has happened to you know their loved one, well, it kind of hurts us all around Australia. You know, you hurt one, you hurt all. That's exactly and, right. Um, yeah, that's exactly right. And and we sh- we shed tears with the parents and and grandparents and wives and everything like that. And it's just getting out of hand. Anyway, we worked, we we had our, we had our speeches, and then I went to then we all went marching and just you know justice for you know singing out um, justice for and closed down youth justice and things yeah. like that. And next thing, my cousins and I we were walking along, and then and then we're stopping stopping the traffic. Yeah, and we have. We didn't do that. We we haven't experienced that before. So we're in the middle of um, um, the Stewart Highway that goes through Alice Springs, uh, and you know at the lights, everything was okay. They allowed us, you know, in a big square sort of thing. We rocked that road and this one and that, and chanting, you know, shut youth prisons and, and some of those um, things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, everything was okay, but I overheard one of the policemen say, you know, um, just watch him, we'll, we'll take him down. And I was thinking, here we go, they're going to pick on Dylan. You know, they hadn't done an, enough damage to Dylan, you know, the emotional, the psychological trauma that he has from them, you know. And and people are saying that he's, you know, um, he's the troublemaker and all the things that they say about him, but not remembering every time something happens, you know, he, he's the one who went there and got mistreated. And but he, was he, didn't, like, he didn't do anything wrong with that protest, though. It was a peaceful protest. What, what did they was, arrest him for? It was a peaceful protest. When they grabbed his mother and threw her on the ground and, you know, just rolled her over and... and, and so hot and the tar and everything, you know, on the bitumen. They just rolled her over and, and it takes about four to hold her down. And really, and they and they lift them up from the, where the handcuffs, they just lift people up on that. And and there was the footage there, I looked at some of the footages um, last night and they grabbed this young 14-year-old and and you could hear the thump on the road of oh his my head God. with them pulled it down like that and that, that you heard that thump and I was saying to my niece it's one that they never cracked his skull because he's a big man <sighs> and then one part I was they said get off the road um, and I said I'm not on the road I'm on that little island in the middle of the road <laughs> and and that bloke come along and he chested me are you serious you know with you know when, you know, when you're disgusting. standing up and well I call it chested but it you know instead of a hut head but he kind of hit me with his chest and I'm only little and I'm only little and I said isn't that assault you know can I take you out for assault what's your number and he ran away he ran and joined the other fellas good on you You it was supposed to be a a peaceful peaceful protest you know yeah it's police brutality was isn't it well, the thing in Alice Springs, and, and I was when before we left, I said to them, "We all know that the Northern Territory government is toxic. This town, from Alice Springs to Darwin, um, we live in a institutional racist um, system, and and it's no secret. Um, and there's a lot of prejudice, stereotyping, the whole works." And our kids, you know, we, te- you know, education starts at home. And when our kids go out on the street, they're hearing all that bad language. We don't swear in our household, you know. 
when we're teaching our kids. And we, I teach my grandchildren. I have 14 grandchildren. And um, we teach them to be more assertive than aggressive. Yeah. You know? One, one grandson walked down the street. I got off the bus and he was meeting his mum. This was a couple of years ago. Um, to get a pair of shoes. And he got off the, the public bus and he went across the road and the police come past. And they said, hey, you little black sea. Hey, you little black sea, get over here. And he, and he kind of just kept walking. Well, they jumped out of the car and, you know, they blew up on the footpath, grabbed him and pulled him down. And they said, why didn't you come across? Didn't you hear us calling? And he said, my mother, my mother and father, they named me Andrew. My name is not Black Sea. And they just grabbed him and threw him and he said, oh, we've got a, we a smart ass here. And they took him to the, to the watch house. And, and in the evening we tried every household looking for him and we didn't know he was there. But that's a norm. What happened to him in the end? Well, what, what, somebody said, um, no, I saw him in, with the police. So we went there and, and got him out. So this is happening time and time again, isn't it? Every day. Every day. It's because... It's, it's, and they're all bullies. Yeah. These kids are bullies. And I wrote numerous um, um, complaint letters to, you know, to the relevant organisations and, and to ministers and to commissioners even to the Governor-General on some of the issues that our kids are going through. And they just don't even sometimes send a letter saying, you know, as a receipt of, of my letter or anything. But it's, it's the whole, whole community. The non-Indigenous people have gone on board and mistreating all the, all the kids and adults. So, Christine, you know, I'm really glad that you, you're able to expose all of this institutional racism on air because it's really important. The media doesn't really portray that enough um, about what's happening. Well, I, I I don't think, like, you know, um, Channel 7, 9, you know, no. the, the normal ones, they would not put anything just on. No, so no. I am so... I am so happy that we got social media, yeah, and and doing around the country, you know, finding out what people are doing and whatnot. When I was in, I go down to um, the embassy, like I said, um, often because that's like family away, you know, home away from home. One of the things that I've noticed is that people from over the, you know, around the world come there and apologise to what the Australian people and government are doing to the Aboriginal people. You mean the tent I, embassy? Is that is that what you're talking about? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the tent embassy. Yeah. And, and I said, well, how do you know about what's happening? And they said, we send our reporters out to yeah. find out because they don't get it any other way. And that was very interesting. For sure. Christine, you know, we didn't want to really interview Dylan because I, I we felt it might hurt his case to interview him who knows he might be charged with contempt of court and we have to be really careful about that legally but do you know what he what dylan was actually charged with like oh uh, it if you look on chat youth prisons i think they got it on there we'll have to have a look and, and do do a little bit more detail because the information about him is quite sketchy um yep. and it, it appears to me that you know the police may even try to make it like a breach of his um, well, parole. Well, that's one of the things I was thinking. Yeah. You know, it's coming to the end now where he's going to be a free little man. They don't want him to be free. But, yes. And, um, and that's what I was thinking. They might get him to do something and then he breaches. But this happens all over the world, you know. It happens in Australia with Aboriginal people. It, it's happening with the um, the existing Black Panthers um, that are that are locked up and incarcerated. When their parole dates come up, they get beaten up and taken into um, solitary confinement. This this is um, an example that you know Dylan is actually trying to do some good work here. I mean, even in um, MSN News, like there's a quote. Um, 
that he talks about Elijah Doherty and how he was killed when he was run over in Kalgoorlie in August yes. 2016. And, you know, and I believe that that protest was about, um, you know, deaths in custody, and yet he's trying to be silenced. Yeah, that's right. And, and, and yeah. the thing is, he, he's educating us. He's educating us in the Territory because we, a lot of Aboriginal people live and work under fear. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. So we've got to um, um, look at some of this stuff. But what I said when we came back to the um, to the lawn, I said we must applaud the um, officers for doing what they did over there because it's a statement that we wanted the world to see and they just, you know, showed us what sort of people they are. Absolutely. And, yeah. in, you know, some people... Um, criticise Dylan and say he's a troublemaker and it's not fair. I know there's a, a lot of negative... Um, Why? It's, it's really not fair. No. Um, what people are putting on, 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 on Facebook. Oh. Yeah, well, mm-hmm. you know, Christine, I, I'm just really happy that you were able to come on air and, and talk to us. It's really important. Oh, well, that's really good because... Um, the, the, they're fixing up the um, juvenile detention here in Alice Springs right. at the moment. All those other young fellas who's in prison, they've gone up to Darwin now. Okay. Um, up there. Yeah, and when they go up there, you know, they're away from family and country and that. And one of the things that I've noticed when working and visiting in the juvenile detention is that the way they speak to the kids, Okay, and and sometimes they um, we we the kids tell us that sometimes the workers, if they don't to you know don't want to get up and do work, they say, well if you don't do it, I'm going to get you know Billy over here saying that you did this or whatever. They then oh. make you know tell a little bit of lies so they can fight with one another. So so basically divide a divide and conquer thing, isn't it? Yes, yes. And, and and since I've stopped working and 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 really away from home, I'm starting to um, uh, I've got time to think and looking at now back into my community and I can see all the wrongdoings, and I want to start a social uh, a, a page later. It's still in my my um, creative mind at the moment. Good, good. Where, where we have a page and we all share what's happening in their community, mm. you know. The police picks on kids, I know, all around Australia, not only in Alice yeah, Springs, yeah. but all around Australia. And, you know, it's all that name-calling. You know, these are grown men. This, it's, it's, name-calling. it's name-calling. It's, you know, I can't believe what you told us about Andrew. Like, that's just incredible. It's, I'm not surprised by it, though. But, but I think, you know, one of the things that I'm really appalled about is the intervention and what's happening over in... The Northern Territory and how they're trying to assimilate all those communities and trying to, you know, get the old people off country. Well, they've already started. And like, Western Australia like, too. And, you know, Paul Clinton, you know, he walked from over there on the, you know, to go to the minister to tell him about, you know, closing down his community. They're already off the community. Yeah. Some of them up in the top end. And, and Czech Sovereignty Union as well because... And that's always up to date what's happening. Yep. I was with Clinton when, when you know, the process of going up to the Prime Minister. Oh, good. You know, he, he was around, they came down to the um, embassy around the fire, um, the, the Greens and the um, Minister for Aboriginal Affairs. Uh, and then the next day he um, went up, he went out and saw the Governor-General and the Governor-General invited him for a cup of tea and whatnot with a couple of the elders. And the rest of us went the following day to, in front of um, Parliament House and Shorten came out and um, with he, the Aboriginal Senators. And that was good. You know, we, he had, you know, nearly half an hour yeah. um, talking and or half an hour, 45 minutes or something. But he came out of the Parliament House to speak with um, Clinton and the rest of us. And the following day, we went to see the Prime Minister. 
we were all marching up then, you know. It was all new to me, but um, we we marched up there, and then when we got to the doors, the police that, or security or police or something, they were there with guns now, and they, they kind of put the guns, you know, blocking Clinton from going in. And they said, you've got to go around the back. <laughs> and we all looked at one another. And so we all went back, followed Clinton, and we went right around the back. And it's a, and it's a, a quite a distance for elderly people, you know? Yeah. Anyway, we got up there, we got it screened, and and then we went into the court, court courtyard. Well, the courtyard was, I, went, I could go one, two, three, stretching my legs down and go one, two, three, four. We was right at the ed, edge of the, you know, at, at the exit part. Yeah. We didn't even kind of go in the middle of this courtyard. He raced over and all his media and that. And not, not even 15, 20 minutes, he ended um, the talk. Wow. And that was really, really disgusting for that little man to walk way over there. You know, the Prime Minister could have put aside. Disgusting, him, isn't it? And, and go inside there and have a couple or really yeah. talk about his experience or something. But it didn't. It didn't happen. And I, I, I felt really sad for him. And I was thinking when we left there, and I was thinking, no wonder we don't have any hope here as Aboriginal yeah. people. We've got, we got to, we got to um, try a... Um, We've got to get together. And they are going to get together on 4th of November. At um, they're calling people to come to um, the tent embassy to Good. discuss to discuss some of those stuff that he picked up along the road, and yeah. juvenile, you know, detention and debts and custody is you know right on top sort of thing. It's it's absolutely there's so much to talk about, and I'm glad that there is going to be a gathering at the tent embassy to, to talk about that. Um, it's and you know. There's just so much to talk about. It's approximately 4.52 and you're listening to an interview with Christine Palmer. This is the Doing Time Show 3CR. Christine, thank you so much for coming onto the program. We're going to be running out of time. Do you, do you have any final comments you want to make before we finish? I think we've got to do something. We're going to write a petition or something to the Northern Territory um, Chief Minister or to Prime Minister. They're going to, they're going to back away from from um, provoking and wanting to hurt Dylan and his mum. You know, we've got to really... Yes. Um, we've got to really look after them. We know? do and need to. We, and if we can do something on a national or international um, stage or just writing letters, because it's unfair, it's, really unfair. Uh, I'm hoping that Dylan's out. Is, is he out now for the moment? He's out, and I think collectively, collectively... The people who who went to prison with or jail that day, collectively their fines come up to five thousand dollars. What? And, and five thousand dollars. Wow. I don't know what they were charged for, but the amount is five thousand dollars. If we can chip in and pay that, yeah. you know, I reckon we could we could help in that little way. Do some some um, some. Yeah. Some benefits, benefit gigs or something. But, yeah, look, this is a gross, gross miscarriage of justice and violation of human rights. And, Christine, I'm hoping we can have you back um, eventually to talk more. Oh, well, you've got my phone number, Marissa. Good on you. No, good good on you. And keep up the good work. It was so good to have you. Okay. Thank Thanks you a lot. Much. But you didn't hear my rap song, but... No? I ran... <laughs> yeah. Um... I can email it to you. Is it long? Hey, we got time. How, how many minutes is it? It's only three minutes. Oh, can you can you do it for us? <laughs> just hang on, I'll look up. Okay. Um, I'll, have to, I'll have to just put it on on the. Yeah. I'll just put it to my niece who and. Yeah, if I, it's only three minutes, we can do it now. Okay, then I'll just put it in here. Yeah. Just hang on. And we're just standing by as um, Christine gets ready um, to do her rap song. You can play a song or something, and I'll just get my daughter to open up her laptop. Oh yes, yeah, so we'll just we'll do an 
can we do an announcement, Peter, and then come back to it? Um, yes. I don't know. We'll just, Actually, we'll just Actually, play it. Yeah, we'll play it. Actually, can you open your laptop? We'll just wait. Yeah, we'll just wait. Yeah, just one. Oh, you'd love it. Yeah, so so we're just going to wait. This is a very special um, special feature that we're going to be playing for Christine Palmer for her rap song. Um, and it's approximately 4.55. So we've got about two minutes left. Well, three minutes left. So... After this, we'll be going out with our theme song, Black Fella, White Fella, um, by the Rumpy Band. So we'll just um, stand by here and, and let Christine play this. Yes, uh, and it should have been um, Black Fella. No, we have survived. Oh, yeah, well, sometimes we do play that. So, Christine, how is... Sorry, I don't mean to pressure you, but we are going to be running out of time very soon. Um, we, you might um, want. It's here now. Okay. okay. Uh. Uh. Here it is. Okay. <laughs> and we're still going to stand by. Here we go. Okay. You there, Christine? Yeah, it's it's coming on. It's coming on. Why? Okay. Sister, I've got an idea. Yeah, what? Let's do a rap song. We should do one about that youth justice and the and the death in custody will be broken. Okay, then let's do it now. Check it out, check it out, be in no doubt. We're just two brownies, now hear us shout. No, we've had enough, we've had it no more. we got to get tough, really tough on the law. we got to stand now, it's time to yell it out, because there's no better moment, need a motor for All the shackles and the cuffs, the spittles, violence. Start hurting now, she's forgotten with the silence. From the homes to the big house and then to the grave, it's time to stop your actions and make a change. Well, we're saving our kids, our culture is a mob, so you've got to step back because it's our job. Our way, our law, while we step through the door. You try to tell us who we are, try to sell our floor. Because we're the First Nations and we couldn't it was taken by you, the people of Greece. The rapes and the murders, they still happen now, and you try to justify yourself when kids are mowed down. Australia is a crime scene still under the crowd. And to the West Australian government, we're lost and we're found. So what do you reckon? That's quite amazing, and that's a great note to end on, Christine. That was, um, that was awesome. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and we're just two grannies, and, and all our grandchildren are saying, you don't even know to rap us. The main thing is that there's that story there. That's sensational. I'm so happy. Well, Christine, let's talk um, later on, and we're going to get you back on again, but we're going to wait for the next show now, Beyond Zero, to come up. Okay. Thanks a lot. It was so cool. We'll get you. Yeah, we'll. There'll be a podcast for you to listen in. I'll ring you about it. Thanks a lot, Christine. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye bye. You too. Bye bye. And we better say goodbye now. That was um, Christine Palmer um, speaking about Dylan Voller and her rap song. So we're going to be saying that uh, with our black fella, white fella song by Rumpy Band and Beyond Zero up next. Okay. See ya. See ya.